right, it's good to be with you this morning. Good to have all of you here. Um, everybody doing okay today? Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to keep my distance from you all this morning because I've had a little bit of a cold the last couple of days. And I don't want to spread, spread the joy around to the rest of you. So um, if I keep my distance from you this morning, that's the reason why I'm doing, why I'm doing that. <clears throat> Hope everybody's doing well. Hope you've had a good week. Uh, this past week, and looking forward to that which the Lord has ahead of us this week. Now let's go ahead and go to Him in prayer, and then we'll get into our uh, message this morning. <clears throat> Father, I want to come to you today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the only name by which I can come. Thank you, Father, for the um, holiness of Christ, the righteousness of Jesus Christ that is given to us through faith in Him. Now, Father, uh, I thank you, Lord, that you've remembered our frame, that we are but dust, and you have pitied us, and through your Son, given us salvation, given us forgiveness of sins. I thank you, Lord, that you, through the gospel, have turned us from the power of Satan to God, from darkness to light, from being... uh, in our sins to being forgiven. And Lord, you've given us an inheritance. Father, I want to pray today for all of our men and our women, for our boys and our girls, uh, each one who's a part of this congregation, each one who joins with us regularly in worship. Father, I pray that the eyes of all of our understanding would be enlightened Father, that we might know the depths of your love for us. And that we together with all the saints, Lord, may be filled with all the fullness of God. So please sustain each one in their role. Lord, as they seek to walk with you and to know you, and I pray, God, that your grace, your sufficient grace would rest upon each of us. As I seek to deliver your word to your people this morning, please bless your word as it goes out. Accomplish your purpose with it. Lord, today I ask in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning we're going to continue in our sermon series that we've been working through uh, called Life in the Local Church. Started this at the beginning of the year. And you might ask, how much longer will we be in this series? I think we're drawing near the end of it. <clears throat> but uh, over the, I know this week and next week, I want to look talk to you about a th- topic of children in the local church or children in church life. And uh, we're going to start today, and I'm really just going to share four points with you today, and then likely next week in, tomorrow, uh, in the morning service, share four points with you as well that will conclude what I would have to say on this children in church life. Um, And the first place I want to ask you to turn to today is in Psalm 127. Psalm 127. Because in in essence, what I want to share with you today is four reminders that the children that we have in our congregation give us on a regular basis. And the Lord's blessed us tremendously with a lot of children at New Life Baptist Church. We're thankful for them. We're thankful for the life that they bring to this congregation for the future that they are, 
for the church as God works His grace in them to save them and raise them up to be leaders in the church in the generations to come. So I'm thankful for them as I know that you are as well. And I just want to work through uh, these four uh, quick reminders today. Uh, So the first thing I want us to see is we look at Psalm 127, and we're going to look at verse 3 here. I want to read it for us. Uh, We're going to see here that children remind us of the generosity of God. Children remind us of the generosity of God. If you found that there, Psalm 127, verse 3, I'll read it aloud. The Bible says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Just stopping there, we see two things in this. If you want to write this down, you see that, first of all, children are a heritage from the Lord. And then you see, secondly, in this verse, that children are a reward from the Lord. In other words, the fruit of the womb is a reward. Heritage just means that they're an inheritance from the Lord. Reward means that they are a payment from the Lord to us. And this is something that we see throughout Scripture. It's interesting. I'll, I'll give you a few verses. and You can write the reference down. And I'll just read what it says. But in, for, for example, Genesis 33 verse 5. It's, the Scripture says, And he lifted his eyes and saw the women and children and said, Who are these with you? And this is Esau speaking to Jacob. So he said, The children whom God has graciously given to your servant. So the twelve sons of Jacob, he says, are the children whom the Lord has graciously given to him. And then in Genesis 48, verse 9, the scripture says, Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me in this place. And he said, please bring them to me and I will bless them. So Joseph speaking to Jacob said to Jacob about his two sons, that they are the sons whom God has given to me in this place, that being in Egypt. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 13, here God giving promises to the children of Israel before they enter into the promised lands. He, he says, and he will love you, Moses says about God, and he will love you and bless you and multiply you He will also bless the fruit of your womb, and then at the end of the verse, in the land which he swore to your fathers to give you, the blessing of the fruit of the womb. And another reference is Joshua 24, verses 3 and 4. Here, the Bible says, Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants, you notice what it says, and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. In each of these so far, um, almost all these that I've read, we've seen how children that were uh, that were born to, begotten from uh, a man, were those whom God had given to him, had graciously given to him. We see also in 1 Samuel chapter 1, you remember the story about Hannah, how she could not have children, and how she went before 
um, the Lord in, in, in Shiloh and um, was speaking to the Lord, opening her mouth and moving her mouth, but no words were coming out. And Eli accused her of being drunk. In 1 Samuel 1, verse 11, it says, Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall come upon his head. And then as we see that story unfold, the Lord did indeed give her a son whom she gave back to the Lord. There may be many of you sitting here today who have prayed for a child, who've asked the Lord to give you a son or a daughter or just a child, whatever it might be. And the Lord has graciously granted that request to you. Uh, so many of you can relate to this. And as we look around, we can, re- we can see how rich we are in the generosity which the Lord has given to us, has displayed toward us as a people here. I was talking to a man a while back who was a little discouraged in life, who was talking about a time when he was discouraged in life. He had several children, and... Um, uh, things at home were difficult, and when he was at work one day, a man walked up to him, an older man walked up to him and spoke to him, and they got to know each other a little bit, and he told that man how many children he had, and the man's reply to him was, oh, you are a rich man. And he said that what that man said to him completely changed his perspective on his family life and on his home life at that time, uh, and how true that was. You are a rich man. When we have children that we're able to look at, to see, to behold, they remind us of the generosity of God in our midst. There's a, another passage in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 13. And in this passage, the Bible actually says this. You might want to turn over there with me in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 13. This is in reference, and it is a bit of an unusual passage because in it, it um, seems to... Be saying, Jesus here speaking, saying about the children whom the Lord has given to him. Now, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 13. Well, let's start at verse 10. Because it is fitting for us to read verse 10. It says here, for it was fitting for him. Hebrews 2, verse 10. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Who's the captain of their salvation? It's Jesus Christ. Verse 11, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I 
and the children whom God has given me. Now, Christ is the one who is the captain of our salvation. He is the one who is bringing many sons to glory. He is the one who calls us brethren and who actually enables us to be children of God. If you turn back in your Bibles now to, and we're just going to, I want to plant this seed in your mind real quickly and then we're going to go on from here. But when we think about children and the gift that they are from the Lord, and we think about then Christ bringing many sons to glory and all that Jesus has done in His death, burial, resurrection, and being seen alive from the dead, the gospel, through the gospel, to save us and to make us sons and daughters of God. We know that we ourselves are actually gifts to Jesus. We are, you might say, love gifts from the Father to the Son because of His obedience and His sacrifice on the cross to save us from our sins. You find this uh, numerous times in the Gospel of John where Jesus would say something along the lines of this, All that the Father has given me, I will lose none, but raise them up in the last day. You find this in John chapter 17 in the high priestly prayer where Jesus here prays for those whom the Father has given to Him. These love gifts from God. Now, um, does anybody see that verse in chapter 6 that I was just referring to? Because I didn't write the reference down to begin with. I was just working from memory there. 37, let's see here. Thank you. Verse 37, good example. John 6, verse 37. All that the Father, you see that? All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. That's one example. John 6, verse 37. All that the Father gives me. Now, I, I think I can find you another one in John 17. That high priestly prayer that I was referring to. All right, I have it circled in here. So, John chapter 17, verse 2 is where we can start. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And then you go to verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now you can look at verse 9. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. I think you get the point. You can look over in verse 24. We'll read one last one here on this and then move to our next point. But we see here in verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundations of the world. 
Children remind us of the generosity of God. But children also remind us of our familial relationship with the Father. Children also remind us of our familial relationship with the Father. If you turn in your Bibles, we're here in the Gospel of John. If you look with me at chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. He reminds us that God is our Father, that He has begotten us again unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, this ch- children that we see around us remind us that God is Father and that we are His children, that we are in need of Him, that we are a needy people. In John chapter 1, verse 12, the Scripture here uh, says, But as many as received Him... To them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. So you see that first part there. It reminds us of our familial relationship because we see in verse 12 that he's given us the right to become children of God. Now as you look at verse 12, what is it that gives us the right to become children of God? Believe in His name, right. You have to believe in... And whose name is that right there? Yep, the name of Jesus Christ. So, for those who believe in His name, God has given them the right to become children of God. Do you see how we become children of God from this verse? We become a child of God through believing in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. I've shared this with you before, this old... Quip, but it says, um, Son of God became Son of Man, that sons of men might become sons of God. So Christ has humbled Himself, taking the form of a bondservant, taking the form of man, and He was obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. And through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, He's given all those who believe in that sacrifice on the cross, the right to become children of God. You cannot become a child of God without becoming that through faith in Jesus Christ. That is the only way to become a son or daughter of God. There is no other way. And we see here in verse 13 that it goes far beyond this because in verse 13 it it, it elaborates on it telling us that this um, belief that we had this right to become children of God this salvation that we now have God did have a um, have much to do with it because in verse 13 it says of them who believed in his name who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. So we have become sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ because we have been born of God. It wasn't because of the will of man. It wasn't because of the physical relationship between man and woman. It wasn't anything of our doing to make this happen, but it was simply because of the good grace of God in our lives. If you think about your own family, how many of you chose what family you would be born into? 
Any of you kids choose your parents? No, nobody did. None of us did. None of us had any say so on that in that whatsoever. And what we see here in John chapter 1 is that Jesus is saying, or that the Word of God is saying here, that yes, we can be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. We are to receive Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and all those who do that have the right to become children of God. But we, were, we have that right to become children of God because we were born of God. All that occurs in our lives because we were born of God. His effectual grace in our lives. There's other scriptures to go along with this, obviously. I'll give you another reference. John 11, verse 52. Where uh, here, speaking about, uh, about Jesus and speaking about the nation of Israel. And I believe this is Caiaphas who is speaking here. And it says, not for that nation only but also that he would gather together, or this is speaking about what Caiaphas had said, uh, not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who are scattered abroad. If you take your Bibles now and turn to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Near the end of the New Testament, near the end of the Bible, go to the book of Revelation. You can turn back a few pages. You should be there in 1 John. Now, if you read through 1 John, you'll notice that John will often refer to his recipients as children. So he's talking to the church, and he refers to the church as children. So again, children remind us of our familial relationship with the Father. Oftentimes we see in the church, in the New Testament, the church being referred to as children or little children. An example of that is verse 12 of chapter 2. But here in 1 John 3 verse 1, the Word of God says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, that's Jesus, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. It reminds us of our familial relationship. And this verse 1 is so wonderful. Because can you imagine it? What God has done to make us His sons? Make us His children? Do you remember what Romans chapter 5, how it characterizes us as those who are lost? There's four ways in which we are characterized there. We're ungodly. We are without strength. We are sinners and we are enemies of God. But yet, when we were in that state, yet God in His grace extended His love and mercy toward us and He saved us from our sins. He is, as John would say, the propitiation for our sins. He has satisfied 
the wrath of God on our behalf. He is the propitiation for our sins. So John here writes, he says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. That was my second point. My third one is this. Children remind us of what we must become to take part in God's heavenly kingdom. Here I would ask you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18 and beginning at verse 1. Now, we just spent a little bit of time here in this chapter already, and I hope you'll remember that. Because as we were talking about binding and loosing in church life over the last two weeks, one of the passages that we came to was uh, Matthew chapter 18 in what is uh, referred to often in 15 through 20, church uh, passage on instruction about church discipline or confronting a brother who has sinned against us. Um, And that's where one of the places is found there. Uh, Jesus uses the word children um, several times to begin this chapter. All right. And we'll see why here beginning in chapter 18, verse 1. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name, receives me. And then he goes on to talk about whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble. Uh, Let's spend a little bit of time here talking about verses 1 through 3 in particular. Jesus tells us what we must become, reminds us what one must become to take part in God's heavenly kingdom. Uh, what one must be uh, like, what one must become as. In verse 3, he says, Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You might ask the question, what in the, what in the world does that mean? I'll, I'll tell you, I've answered that several ways over the last, well, over the last couple of decades, actually. And I don't know that I've gotten it right, ever. Um, the, the answer I would give to you this morning, I think, is probably the most accurate that I could give. Because the one I'm going to give you this morning comes the most out of the context that we have right here. What does it mean to become as a little child? Well, let's just take a look at it. Verse 2. Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them. I want to point out two things from that verse. First one is this, obedience. The child heard the call of Jesus and he obeyed the call of Jesus to come to him. The second thing is this, trust. The little child trusted Jesus, that Jesus would take him, set him in the midst of them, and the child would sit there trusting in the person of Jesus Christ. With all those people gathered around, the person was, that child 
was trusting in Jesus. What does it mean to become as a little child? It means to become obedient to the call of the Savior. And it means to trust in the Savior, Jesus Christ. There's one other thing that I would point out to you from this passage, number 3. In verse number 3, it says again, And he said, As surely I say to you, unless you are converted. That means unless you're changed. Unless you turn around. Unless there's a, a change of belief, a change of direction in your life, and become as a little child. The indication here is that we as rebellious sinners against Christ, against God, are going our own way. We have each one turned to his own way, the Bible says. So we have turned and gone our own way away from Christ, but we need to be converted. We need to change and obey the call of the gospel and trust Christ. When we have done that, verse 4 perhaps tells us what has happened and what is ultimately necessary for these things. Therefore, whoever humbles himself. You see, proud people are not going to be saved. We must be a humble people. And those who are in Christ will be humble people because we realize there's nothing in our hands we bring. But it's simply to the cross of Jesus Christ that we cling. And it's His righteousness and His alone that can deliver us and give us a standing before God the Father. So maybe three things about what it means to become a little child. Obedient to the call of the Savior. Trusting in the Savior. And humbling ourselves before the Savior. The last point I have for you is this. Children remind us of our need to mature in Christ. Certainly, we can look around and see uh, children playing here at New Life Baptist Church in our own homes and our families and understand that, hey, we probably don't all need to act that way the rest of our lives. Uh, So children are a very gracious reminder a blessing to us, and a reminder of our need to mature in Christ. If you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and if you can locate there, verse 14. Ephesians 4, verse 14. Here, in the context of the uh, Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesians, and he has talked to them about gifts, uh, the grace of God that's been given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift there in verse 7. And then he's listed some of those gifts in verse 11 that are meant for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And then in verse 13... Those gifts are given until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And you see now in verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed 
to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But in verse 15, speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So you, you see here, just like we would expect children to grow up, to become more mature uh, in their uh, care, in their conduct, and also physically, so it is that Jesus expects His church to grow up. And not for us to remain immature, but to actually indeed mature. In verse 14, He says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. Children are fickle. If you were to look at some pictures from my children over various years of their lives, and I'm going to be gracious to them and not point out anyone in particular this morning. But you can look at it and you can see this in your own life as well. Children can go from being enthusiastic about one thing to another thing to another. And it may happen from uh, one hour to the next. They're fickle, blown about by the winds of doctrine, blown about easily. And so we are not to be a people who are fickle, but a people who are steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I'll conclude with one more passage in Hebrews chapter 5. Because in Hebrews 5, we see the writer here uh, speaking to his recipients of the importance of maturing and not remaining as babes in Christ. In Hebrews 5, verse 12 through 14, Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14. The the Bible says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. So they were actually, they were becoming immature rather than maturing. Verse 13, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, or yours might say mature. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It's very pretty clear in this passage that the writer here expected the church to grow up, not become immature, but to mature and to act like, live like those who are of full age, who need meat, solid food, not milk. 
to live on. And the way that this would happen is by actually living out the Christian life. By not sitting back and remaining as though you were a newborn babe in Christ. But to exercise yourself in Christian discipline. The senses, as it says there, have used their senses to discern both good and evil. To apply what we know to living out our lives. Children remind us of four things that I've shared with you today. Of the generosity of God. Of our familial relationship with God the Father. Children remind us of what one must become to take part in God's heavenly kingdom. And finally, children remind us of our need to mature in Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Father, we can call you Father because... You have given your son and your son has died in our place and has risen again on the third day. And because he lives, we can live. Because he lives, we can be called children of God. Lord, I thank you for that great truth today. And I thank you, Father, as well for the many children that you've blessed us with here at New Life Baptist Church. And all that they remind us of in our relationship with you. Lord, I want to pray for our children right now. I I pray, God, for all of them. that, That they all would know this salvation that's to be found in Jesus. And Father, I pray that that they would all, and, and really all of us, would, would come to Christ in obedience and in trust, being humbled before Him, knowing we have nothing of ourselves to bring. Thank you for these good reminders today. And Lord, if there's anybody here who hasn't, is not a child of God, and Lord, I say if, uh, there's, there are those who aren't, that do not profess faith in Jesus, I pray, Lord, work in them through the gospel to save them and deliver them from their sins. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.